What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of SDGC After Hours. Today, we are talking all about Gears Tactics. Uh, I have been playing it for the last week and a half. I'm also joined with Windows Central's Sam Tolbert. Sam, thanks so much for being here, man. Absolutely, dude. Yet another excuse to talk with you about anything is always great. And this time, we're talking about a common love interest of ours. That is the Gears of War franchise. Yeah, and I, I gotta say, I, I think I was tweeting about this earlier this week, but uh, Gears Tactics was a game that piqued my interest when they showed out at E3 almost two years ago now, um, and I had a lot of apprehension around it because it was a sweet pitch, but also Gears of War is a series that is all about iterating on the same idea, um, and so I was nervous to see them kind of pivot, but I gotta say from the start, it's a pretty dang good tactics game, right? Yeah, I would agree with that, especially when you consider this is the first time they've done. This is not like the third or fourth or even second entry of this type. Like this is the first time the Coalition and Splash Damage, the support studio they work with, have gone for a tactics isometric viewpoint. And on a first try basis, I think they did a pretty darn good job. Yeah, and I think that's worth setting up too. So, so for people who aren't in the know, uh, Coalition, which is a first party Microsoft studio uh helms all gears of war development for the mainline series and then splash damage is often yes like you were saying the support studio uh those roles are reversed here and splash damage did the majority of the development work and gears uh, and then uh coalition has has stepped in uh to kind of you know they're, they're flipping their roles but yeah like you were saying i think this is splash damage's like first tactics game too which is also impressive um I mean, you know, we're going to get into it, but it, it definitely reminds me of uh, when Mario and Rabbids Kingdom Battle came out like that. There's definitely like, this shouldn't work, but it does thing. Um, but yeah, so I think I think the way to do it is to set up how, where this takes place in the timeline, right? Because we've got the old generation of Gears, that's one through three, and then the new, the new sequel trilogy. This is actually before that. This takes place, what, Sam, like a decade before the first Gears of War? 12 years, I believe, to be precise. 12, 12 years. years before the original Gears of War. Yeah, that's right. And uh, it actually takes a lot of its lore from the comics. Uh, your main villain in this game is a guy named Ukon. He is uh, the locust who created some of the bigger monsters the series is known for, like the Corpser, which is like this big spider. Um, and then also the Brumac, which is like a, a T-Rex with rocket launchers. Uh, so he is kind of the Beastmaster character. Uh, and you play as Gabe Diaz, who is Kate's father uh, from the, the sequel trilogy. Uh, so it's kind of cool to kind of get her backstory because up until now, uh, the father character has just not even been addressed. So it's it's interesting to see them kind of uh, touch on it here, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Gabe's name was mentioned, I think, in collectibles, maybe once in conversation in five, if I remember correctly. But it certainly wasn't a plot point. Uh, her, her mother's side, you know, the matriarchal lineage there was definitely addressed in those games in a big way. So seeing the other side of it, seeing, you know, where Gabe came from, possibly how that led into kate's upbringing that's pretty cool that's pretty cool to see yeah definitely and so this game like the mainline gears has like full cut scenes like you'd come to expect from the series um and it's not just gabe you are joined by sid redburn who i believe sam and i don't read the comics uh but we've read some of the books uh we're pretty sure he's a new character uh so sid redburn uh is a is a kind of grizzled veteran who's quite a bit older than Gabe, um, and he's a little bit more by the books, old school coalition. Um, 
uh, of Gears soldier. Um, and the two of them are kind of given a job to kind of recon uh, what Ukon is up to. And they're given this order by Prescott, who is basically uh, the, the president or prime minister of the government that you that you fight for. Um, and in doing so, they meet Michaela, who is kind of a resistance fighter who exists outside of government order. Um, and those three are basically the main characters that we're working with, right, Sam? Yeah, those are the heroes of the game. And we'll get into that a little bit more in, when we talk about the gameplay and what it takes from XCOM and what it doesn't. But those are the main trio that you're following. Uh, which is in, it's yeah. interesting to see that Gears seems to have, even in this gameplay shift kept the tonal shift from two following two characters or four characters to following three characters they did that in four they did that in five and now they're doing that in tactics as well it's interesting definitely and i also think that this is gears with more awareness like just like we saw in gears five um the the coalition of ordered governments uh, which is like the the country that you are fighting for in that series uh has always had fascist ideas and ways of doing things and that's never really addressed as being bad uh but then in gears 5 and then in gears tactics they're exploring this idea of like actually people outside of that government structure like openly call your soldiers fascist and then you see your characters kind of try to um first they struggle with that and reject the label and then they start to realize it and it, i don't know it's it's actually been interesting to watch uh the series become more cognizant of its politics a little bit. Um, I don't know. It's it's just been cool to kind of watch, I don't know, growing awareness. And it feels a little bit less nasty than early on when you were doing some pretty uh, pretty rough stuff in, in the original trilogy, right? Yeah, it, it, I think it's definitely a case of in the original trilogy, to, to give basically a brief history lesson, you go from going on the orders of the government in one and two to basically being what's left of the government. There, Everyone is stranded in Gears of War 3. And then now in 4, 5, and Tactics, government order is returning, but with that comes a greater sense of awareness, a cognizance of, hey, some of this stuff isn't okay. Um, especially in Tactics, you know, we're fresh, uh, hot off the end of the Pendulum Wars. That's in very recent memories. Everyone who's alive here would have fought in the Pendulum Wars, which was fought against the UIR, which, you know, was the Union of Independent Republics. So they were fighting a, a group of democratic countries for control of fuel supply. Um, yeah, I, I feel like uh, that's often something that we people skip over in Gears, which is like you are fighting for like an authoritarian country who won a war against like de like democracies, right? Basically. So now certainly w without getting into a bunch of other stuff, it's not like there weren't war crimes on both sides, obviously, at, at risk of sounding both sides-ism. It's definitely not a straightforward imperial order evil versus the good guys, and you were playing the evil guys. But again, it's good to have a more general awareness of what's yeah, going on and be aware of the greater political landscape. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. Like, the TLDR is that, like, Gears has politics, it's always had politics, and now it's more aware of it, and it's actually leaning into it in ways that I think are refreshing and feel good as um, somebody who's kind of a long-time player. Um, but, but, Sam, I feel like we really need to address the elephant in the room, which is, like, so how does Gears of War, a traditional third-person cover shooter uh, that has uh, less so now, but in the past been kind of a dude-bro shooter, uh, how does that translate into a slightly slower, uh, more deliberate, tactical, uh, uh, you know, almost XCOM-like? How does it translate, uh, in your opinion? Well, in my opinion... It not only translates well, it, dare I say, it, it translates bizarrely well. 
where it still feels like I'm playing a Gears of War game. That sense of that, that, that weird dynamic duality of take cover, take cover, take cover, and aggression, aggression, charge is still felt here, perhaps even more so in ways, since it's not just you you're controlling, but an entire squad of up to four different gears, of, of up to four different soldiers. And there's a lot of interesting things here. For anyone who's familiar with XCOM, it's turn-based. Your soldiers have a number of action points that they can take to move up, flank, reload their guns, throw grenades, shoot, different things like that. And instead of manually aiming your cursor or your gamepad to fire, it's a pre-calculated chance based off of position, the types of weapons being used, other bonuses. And it works really, really well. There's a tactical element. You have to strategize properly. You have to think moves ahead. You can't just react. If all you do is react, you are going to get blown apart very, very quickly, especially in some of the later stages, quite literally, when the boom shots and the Theron guards start showing up. God, I hate those guys. <laughs> they get you from across the map. But uh, but there's other one other thing it does that I really like, and Zach, I'd like your take on this, in maintaining that aggression with how the classic Gears of War executions have been incorporated. This is something I really like. Okay, yeah, so the executions are awesome, and I also think they're going to lean into to this other point. So so the way uh, executions work in this game is that if if a character goes into down but not out state, which people who play Gears are familiar with, um, it's kind of when a character is knocked out and bleeding out, and the next turn, if a, if uh, an enemy doesn't come up and revive their, their buddy, they will bleed out and die. Uh, but if you can get to that downed enemy first and do an execution, like an up-close, uh, very violent kill... Uh, it energizes your team and everybody else gets an extra action point. And these action points are actually where you see the greatest uh, variance to a game like uh, XCOM. So XCOM is a, is a traditionally a two action per character per round uh, uh, tactics game. So you move and then you take a shot or you move and you put yourself in Overwatch. Gears of War rejects that and all characters have three movement or three action points per turn uh, and Shooting doesn't end your turn. In, in XCOM, if you shoot, you forfeit your movement turn if you just want to stay in your same spot. In Tactics, you can shoot twice and move. You can shoot three times in a row. You can use your points however you want to. But you can get a fourth action point if somebody on your team can manage an execution. So it, it's a very, like, momentum-driven... Uh, it basically can create, like, feeling overwhelmed to then being able to set up, like, basically landslides where you can turn the tide very, very quickly. Um, and it, and it feels really good, especially because to me, XCOM is a game where you take three or four people and then you have to fight several different waves of three to four enemies. It always feels like it's even chess match tactics, gears, tactics rejects that. And instead is like, yeah, there's four of you and you're going to kill 14 locusts right now. And they're all going to be rushing you at the same time. And you need to figure out how to, how to defend yourself and also pick them off and also try to funnel them so you can get a, a strategic grenade in there. Oh yeah, those um, and I'm just kind of Sam. <laughs> Sam, I'm just super impressed with like how they managed to make a game feel tactical while also frequently finding ways to make it feel overwhelming by just how many enemies are on the screen at once. Absolutely, absolutely. Especially with the wretches, the techers, the basic drones. It's a case of some of these enemies might be weaker than you, sure, but a they can do just as much damage as you, even if they have less health. And B, there's going to be a lot more of them. Uh, you're absolutely right about that. It, it feels overwhelming, and you have to exploit the system. You have to think outside the box as much as possible. Uh, without spoiling the exact setup, there was a boss fight in Act 2 that I was stuck on. 
and I had to keep reloading the checkpoint, reloading the checkpoint because I just got put in a no-win scenario. And it was difficult, but finally figuring out the exact sequence of events to down multiple locusts, then execute them all. So all but one of my team had like six or seven action points felt amazing. It was ridiculous to watch in action as everything one by one just fell into place and all the pieces were pulled off the board so we could kill the boss. And it took a lot of work and it took a lot of strategy, but I enjoyed that. I really enjoyed that feeling of victory. Oh, yeah. Well, and so I think one thing we should touch on, too, is one of the things that can uh, give players out of control. So, so the, like I said, there are three core archetype hero characters in the game. There's there's Gabe, Sid, and Michaela. So uh, you, as a tactician, as Gabe, is a support character, which means he has the Lancer, the traditional uh, chainsaw machine gun that the, game, the series is known for. But then uh, Sid has a retro Lancer, which is like a bayonet-fixed, more powerful assault rifle, and Michaela is a sniper. So you have three major archetypes that are your hero characters. But your fourth characters uh, can basically be... And you don't have to take all of the characters into certain fights. You can, you can pick and choose who goes into each uh, session. But there are also uh, essentially proc-gen characters that come in with... They, they will come in with a certain type of weapon, which is their preset. Um, and then uh, you can kind of pick the way they they use that weapon, which is you can put different attachments on it. So they will be like, Sam, it's like, you can't change it, right? It's always that if a character has a Lancer, you can't give them the Nasher, right? They are stuck to that primary weapon, right? That's correct. That's correct. But there's a lot of flexibility within those classes. Someone is always right. going to have the Lancer and the ability to chainsaw, but you might give them frag grenades or stim grenades to heal your allies right. and get up someone who's been down. And you can also invest in their skill tree. And there's a lot of different skills to check out. Yeah. E even on an oh, individual yeah. class basis. And then each class, there's five of them, has different skills. I think there's over 150 skills in total. Oh, yeah. Well, and like that's, I think that's, I think that's kind of, to me, it can be a downfall in Gears Tactics. But first, I'll say the good parts about it. So. Uh, yes, the skill tree allows you to really customize your units, and if you have, you know, so Gabe's support unit, but you can also recruit another support unit that's not like Gabe, and you can invest his skill tree opposite to Gabe, and then if you deploy them together, they can do a ton of buffs for your team and be a really defensive unit, but they can still specialize in different ways that make them feel distinct uh, and not so samey, which is good. I, one of the things that XCOM has some trouble with is its skill trees are often pick A or B, and then at the next level pick A or B, and it, you can end up having a lot of samey characters. Uh, so Gears Tactics allows you to lean away from that. But in addition to having a skill tree, Sam, every character also has three pieces of customizable armor that are unlocks that all have stats tied to them. Yep. So that means you have an arm or you have a head, a helmet, a chest plate, and a leg armor. And all of those come with variables. Those variables can be uh, you can move farther in your turn. Uh, you have greater evasion, so people might miss you more often. Uh, you can just get a health boost. Um, and these kind of stacking variables can make you have ridiculously powerful characters, but it can also, especially into the mid to late game, feel overwhelming because you don't really do anything with your armor once you're done with it. Uh, like if you get a better piece, you don't really get to recycle your old stuff. So you end up just having a really bloated menu of like a dozen of the same pair of, of pants that have the same effect, but some of them have worse stats than the other, so you would never use them again. So there's, there's some weird like bloat in terms of loot. Uh, and Sam, this game has a ton of loot. Like, every mission has loot crates, right? Can you kind of walk us through what the loot crate economy is and then maybe 
uh, quell some concerns that people might have when they hear that. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I'll start off by quelling the concerns. I know everyone's ears start burning and they go, whoa, 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 time out when you hear the word loot crate. Trust me, mine do too. But all that means is you don't know the type of gear you're picking up or getting rewarded with on the field. There's no microtransactions. They've actually made that a selling point in the marketing. There, there's no microtransactions, never. It's a one-time purchase or as a part of Game Pass. End of discussion. But the loot crates means you're going to find different crates of discarded weapons or armor material out in the field. And you have to make the conscious decision to go pick them up to get these bonus rewards. Uh, you, you get some as part of your mainline missions rewards, but to get the extra ones, you have to go pick them up in the field. And there are different types. Some of them will be more basic gear, but the rarer types are going to have much more powerful equipment or much rarer types of armor. And some of these later missions, you're going to want to make sure you have that decked out. With that in mind, I do agree with Zach. It can be slightly overwhelming. Just a bit. It just, it's, I like it for the most part, but there's definitely, it's easy to get overwhelmed if you're not keeping track and discarding all the junk you don't need. Which, thankfully, is think, an option. Yeah. I also think that, um... So, so your hero characters cannot die. Like that is that is how you hit a fail state in uh, Gears Tactics. But if you like, let's say you have you can bring in four units, uh, and you say I'm just going to bring in one hero unit. I'm going to bring in Gabe, but then I'm going to bring three of the proc gen characters with him. Those proc gen characters can die, and it's the game is fine with that. It's just your hero characters have to live for canon reasons, uh, and so that's often how I would find myself. Like that's that's the only way I was really losing good equipment would be like oh yeah this character got dropped and uh i couldn't pick them back up before the mission ran out so i but i think in my so so i should say the game is pretty meaty uh i beat the game in 28 hours um and i think i probably lost maybe five characters along the way um it's it's generally pretty forgiving um and the game doesn't so one one of my pet peeves because i have no self-control sam is when I play a tactics game and I do something really bad, and I have, even if it's not even getting a character killed, it's just I put them in a dumb spot. Uh, I will save scum and reload that previous turn. Gears yep. Tactics does not have a manual save system. It's got a generous autosave system, and so uh, you often find yourself hitting checkpoints, but you can't, um, and I think this is to the game's benefit, you can't just be like, oh shit, that turn didn't go quite how I want, or oh, that 87% chance fucked up, I'm gonna reload and see if that 87 chance works the second time through, like, it does have some preventative measures there. How do you feel about um, its kind of non-traditional tactics uh, uh, way of handling progression in mission? It's a weird hybrid. Um, obviously, having the mainline heroes not be able to die makes sense because you need them for the story. So I think that's good. I think that's perfectly fine. Yeah, they need to make it through. Uh, but the others, you know, being able to die. Gears of War has always been a series about loss. It has always, always, every single entry been a case of... If your objectives are completed, it comes at great sacrifice. It comes at great cost. Sometimes the the objectives aren't even completed and the sacrifice happens anyways. So I think that's thematically reinforced by the fact that, yes, your characters can die. Uh, that, that being said, the game is very generous. It's If you're paying attention, if you're very careful, it is perfectly possible to get them through without them dying you get multiple chances to revive them each time someone is revived in game they lose a little bit of their health until the next mission so they become a little bit weaker but, you know i think that works well but at the same time like you said you can't manually save it's a generous auto save you can restart the mission but if you're 10 15 minutes into a difficult mission 
uh, that might not be a good idea. And I think that's I think that's overall to the game's benefit because it makes you think about, okay, do I actually want to save scum? Is that really right. what I want to do here or should I just push on? And for context, Zach and I both played on intermediate difficulty, which is, you know, the normal setting. There is obviously harder modes and then there's also an Iron Man. And in Iron Man, just like in XCOM, it's immediately auto-saved and you can never take a decision back. So, you know, if you are a sadist or a masochist, like, the, the, the option is out there for you. They've got you covered still. Yeah, and I, I also just feel like, and I, I wish I said this sooner, uh, I am constantly surprised by... So, so the game introduces, in, in a very comic, like... Uh, uh, goofy way every time a new enemy type is introduced they do like name on screen and then like two little facts about the way they're gonna fight you um and i would actually say like they don't really introduce that many new characters um or enemy types that you don't see from mainline gears of war but i was surprised how quickly um they worked in a tactic setting like wretches are like the smaller uh ape-like creatures and they kind of they're, they're all about getting up close in melee there's tickers which are basically like little bugs that have big bombs on their back and if you shoot them at a distance they blow up and do aoe damage but if they get too close to you they'll self-destruct and potentially like they can knock your whole crew out if they're all bunched up um but i was so impressed with how existing mechanics translated to tactic space right so in Gears, the little tickers who, who are the bugs with the grenades on their back, they'll rush at you, and you can kick them, and they'll go in the opposite direction. You can shoot them, and they'll blow up. In this game, they'll rush at you, and you can use an action point to go punt them, and you can control where you're, what direction you're kicking them. So you can run up, punt them, then where it lands, if you aim it towards another group of enemies, you can shoot it once it's on its back, once you've kicked it, and then blow those enemies out of cover. And these are all things that you could organically do in regular Gears. So I, I guess I was just... It's wild. I, I think it's just, I was apprehensive about Gears Tactics working, and then I was shocked at how well the series was already built to kind of accommodate tactical gameplay. Um, it, just, it just feels like a natural extension um, of, of what we came to expect, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that goes back to what we both said earlier. The gameplay translates shockingly well. It still feels like a Gears game. 100% to the core and it's amazing how naturally everything you know made its way over from, from the classic games like yeah you're still dodging tickers left and right and it works well despite being a turn-based setting and I think one of the staples that we haven't talked about for any tactics game these days is an overwatch feature so for people who don't know overwatch is you set your character up and if somebody walks through a cone of vision your character will open fire on them and that can stop them in their tracks or at least put some chip damage on them so they're in a weakened status so it's basically a defensive area protection thing um gears of war tactics has this but they do it a little bit differently sam do you kind of want to talk about uh how overwatch works in tactics sure so if you're familiar with overwatch and xcom it's very very basic let's let's be honest here it's a very basic hey cover this half of the room no other context and when an enemy rushes through maybe your shot will hit maybe it won't that's all it is um, maybe sometimes there's another bonus or a critical hit bonus that comes into play. But other than that, it's it's always the exact same. In Gears Tactics, it's a little different. It's a little more natural. And I like this approach where it depends on the gun. Someone with a long shot can do a lot of damage in Overwatch. But because it's a sniper rifle, they can only watch a small, thin, thin corridor. 
They can't keep their eye on half the map. That's ridiculous. By contrast, someone with a Nasher is going to have a very, very wide spread because they've got a shotgun. They can easily, you know, swivel and pivot to the point, but they're going to be very close range. They can't hit someone halfway across the map. It's going to be very, very close up. The Lancer is somewhere, both Lancers really, are somewhere in the middle of those. Same with the Mulcher. And this is another part that I really like. It's real time. It's not pre-calculated. So if an enemy, for example, has you pinned down with Overwatch, but you've got cover, you can rush through that cover, and there's actually a chance that you'll be perfectly fine and you won't get hit because it's being done real time. And, you know, even though they have you in Overwatch or you have them in Overwatch, those shots aren't going to just pierce through a boulder that you're hiding behind. That doesn't make any sense. By contrast, right, there's, if, you're, yeah. if you're right up next to them, uh, <laughs> you're going to get hit and you're going to take a lot of damage. Or they are, and they're going to take a lot of damage. I like it. It's a much more natural way of doing things that isn't just a one-size-fits-all, okay, end of your turn, everyone go into Overwatch. Like, no, you need to actually think, is it worthwhile doing Overwatch? And if so, what am I having them cover? And the the last bit, and then I'll let you talk about this a bit, Zach, because I want to hear your thoughts on it, is that the more action points you have left and saved up, the more shots you can take while in Overwatch, which is another right. neat way of, hey, do you really want to move up? Or is it better to cover? Right. And I actually think that translates really well. So so like Sam was saying, so like I said, you have three action points per turn. But if you like where you're at and you just want the enemies to field in, you can just throw yourself an Overwatch. And your character will take up to three shots uh, at enemies who enter that cone. Which is cool. Because again, like like XCOM's biggest fault uh, after playing Tactics uh, is that if you take a shot, your turn's over. So it's cool to see that this game kind of lends a little bit more flexibility to that structure. Uh, the other thing that I love about Overwatch in this game is that, uh, so, and I, and both of you, both you and I have been playing, uh, XCOM Chimera Squad, which just came out, so we'll, we'll touch on some comparisons later, but, uh, one of the things through playing Chimera Squad that makes me appreciate tactics more is that, uh, you have way more control about, uh, what, what range you want to engage with enemies. So, when you enter Overwatch, uh, in, in... XCOM, you basically can just kind of move that cone around, but its range is predetermined. In Gears Tactics, you can uh, make really, really tight, small cones around your character. So if you're like, oh no, I only want to shoot someone if they come within 10 feet of me, you can do that. Or you can stretch that cone way out and go outside of their effective range to take shots. So this is a really cool way of being like, okay, I know this guy in the back is going to move before the guy I actually want to shoot, and he could waste my Overwatch, so I'm going to tighten my cone up so that way when they approach, I only hit the guy I want to hit, and I only waste that action point that I want to waste. Um, it feels like there's a lot more awareness to, like, and you were kind of talking about shotguns and sniper rifles earlier. Um, it feels like there's a lot more awareness to, like, you can know what your weapon's effective range is, and you can make sure that you stay within it, or you can go out beyond it. And I just think that that sense of control, uh, one, plays really well, uh, but two, feels in line with how you might play Gears of War regularly, right? Like, you can always use a Lancer and shoot someone who's really far away, but if they have a, a long shot sniper rifle, they're going to kill you and you're going to lose. Yep. Um, it, it just lends itself so well. Yeah, I, I have nothing more to add on that except, yeah, it, it's Gears of War, except the difference is you're controlling all four on the field, not just your own character. And it works. Definitely. So I think 
I think we're ready to move into like, so we've, we've talked about how it plays, but we haven't really talked about what missions are like. And like I said, uh, story missions in this game have like their full-fledged campaign cutscenes at the beginning and end like you might expect from mainline series, which is cool. But the actual missions themselves, Sam, uh, we should talk about one, what the average mission looks like, and then two, how side missions work in this game. So so main missions are pretty pretty simple. They're like you would expect from most tactics game. It's usually clear this room, maybe get to this spot, grab this thing, and then exfiltrate and get out while reinforcements come in. That is the basic structure that you see a lot in Gears Tactics. Um, or, or it could just be like, hey, cross this bridge and it's going to be a hard fight. Um, most of it is, is about forward momentum. Like they managed to kind of keep the linear approach that you might expect from Gears of War into a tactics game, which feels good. Feels good to kind of work some lanes. Um, but I also, Sam, I want to hear your opinion on when you're not in a story mission. What does it feel like to go through a side mission? The side missions. This is definitely, I think, where the game does stumble a bit on its first try uh the, the, For sure. the studio's first try there's only so many types of side missions which is not an evil thing in and of itself like a lot of tactics games are quite repetitive in the structure of their side missions something we're going to get into when we talk about chimera squad no doubt but you know there's there's a couple of different ones there's hold this point to get all the resources and so you have to keep the enemy out of that point it's basically the bunker down we've got more incoming from every year's game ever Pretty stock standard, simple stuff. Mission ends when you have all the supplies you need. There's also the destroy the emulsion supplies. Because, you know, no spoilers, but given what Ukon is up to, he has emulsion stashed around that he's using for his experiments. You go and destroy it to make him really angry. That's fine. It's You're making your way there. The, the strategy and the depth of those missions comes from the enemy setup and variety, not the environment itself. Although I think the environments look good. Uh, for the most part there's usually a good decent bit of variety and then there's another type of side mission my personal favorite where nemesis bombardments which are like the ink squids that fly in the sky and bring down helicopters all the time in the first trilogy are constantly coming down on you and you have to keep moving forward those are my yeah, favorite those are, those those are, are my favorite yeah and those are actually great missions so so yeah like sam's saying they're they're artillery think of them as artillery for people who aren't big on on the gears lore it's basically rolling artillery and every move they tell you okay like bombs just fell here on the map and then in the next turn they're going to be bombing this area and so you need to be using one to two probably of your action points just to make sure you're out of the bombing zone so these missions are 100 percent about forward momentum but also stopping the enemies who are ahead of you who are going to slow down your units and actually this is where some of the hardest most tense fights happen because you might be able to wipe out an enemy group ahead of you if you use all of your turns or all of your action points on a character but you're going to risk getting hit by artillery uh it just i don't know you're, you're absolutely right like these are the most momentous side missions in the game but easily my biggest stumbling block isn't that the mission designs are repetitive it's how often they make you do them especially towards the end of the game yeah uh, and i also yes. think i i also think the notion of side when, when people hear the word side right they think optional they think oh this is not <laughs> this is not with a store this is not you know uh i can go over here and maybe i'll get some perks like maybe i'll get some some bonuses gear tactics side missions are basically just I hate to say this because they, they do give you passive benefits like better armor. Um, but they are, they are basically padding. 
And, um, and, and like, yeah, we, we can call a spade a spade. We can call padding padding. And I think you and I have talked about this at length. We agree this is the game's biggest stumbling block by far. This yeah, is this is the one sure. real issue we have is at certain points for context about what we're talking about, you're going to be required to choose between side missions. You can't do them all, but you have to do some before you move on. And when it starts off, it's correct me if I'm wrong, Zach. It's like choose between these two. You can only do one yeah. or choose between these three. You can only do two. That's fine in theory, but in practice, it means that in Act 2 and the first half of Act 3 is, is particularly bad, you're going to end up choosing, after a story mission, to do three of four side missions. And it's just... And, and, and it and bogs the, thing, the pacing yeah. down. It destroys the right. pacing. And it's a shame, because I don't want to spoil anything, but the later acts in the campaign get really interesting. They throw some neat little curveballs your way in terms of playing with your expectations about what's going to happen, what the characters are up to, what's going to be revealed. Like There is some really cool stuff, but it's then frustrating because the moment after you do that story mission, it's like, okay, there's four side missions to do, pick three of them. And I understand to an extent that it's meant to make sure you have as much gear as possible to deck out your troops, which, by the way, we didn't really touch... To touch on that but like there's a lot of customization to the weapons that i do want to yeah. scroll back to that is real... just that's just yeah yeah i want i want to scroll back to that later uh but it bogs the pacing down it's just it's a shame because in my opinion this would still be a very solid 15 maybe to 20 hour game depending on your difficulty if you remove the side missions but it's the side missions that bump it up from that 15 to 20 hour game to more like a i don't know 25 30 maybe 35 hour game Depending on yeah. depending on your difficulty, again, how many times you retry a mission, like there's going to be variation in there. And it doesn't feel necessary. Maybe doing it a little bit, like having it once per act, would have been fine. Or I like think, or even just I, leaving them optional. Leaving them as, hey, you can go do these and you might want to to get some gear, but you don't have to. I think that would have probably been even a better solution. I think it's one of those things where the idea of having you do these bonus missions between story things is not inherently wrong. Uh, in fact, there's actually cool ideas there, right? So when the game is like, hey, do three out of four side quests to, to move along the narrative, there's some interesting ideas there where it's like, uh, okay, you have a dozen soldiers, let's say, you've recruited. Some of them are your heroes, a lot of them are your proc gen. If on the first mission you take uh, Sid, Michaela, and Gabe in a random the next time you go to do a mission, because it's supposed to be happening concurrently with a quest that you just did, you can't bring them back in with you. Yes, so, like, those are yes. some cool ideas there where it's like, okay, well, I, I need to not bring all of my support soldiers here because I'm going to need them later, which is a sweet idea. Um, but I also just feel like that's the only sense of stakes there really are in side quests is like, oh, shit, did my previous decision screw me for my next side quest uh, in terms of who I'm bringing with me? Um, and I think it, a lot of it comes down to, I think, randomized loot is a cool idea um but there's way too much of it and i actually think that like so so they when you take on a side mission they're like oh uh if you do this you're gonna get two rare loot drops but you don't know what they are i think if they actually were like hey if you do this you're gonna get a legendary item for uh the lancer or you're gonna get a legendary item for the nasher I could make decisions based on that. Otherwise, it feels arbitrary to me. Like, I'm just going to pick the missions that seem like they're going to be the fastest, um, which isn't fun. Like, I think that they just, like you said, picking three side missions to do one story mission just really bloats it. 
and takes a lot of the tension out and you kind of just lose a lot of momentum in the later acts. Um, and I think one thing that exacerbates that is uh, one of the great things that Gears has gotten really good at, whether it's the multiplayer or story, is that characters, the AI is smart enough that if you get a cool kill with a cool gun, the AI is going to be like, going to reward you with that by giving you a cool one-liner or a character is going to compliment something that their teammate just did and that feels really good. That doesn't really happen in Gears Tactics, so you lose a lot of that characterization and missions, so it just feels really tedious. Like, if, if the characters had great dynamics and side quests, I would probably tolerate it. Yeah, um, but that dynamic but, yeah. is only really there in the main missions. I, I will say it's there, and but... even then... Yeah, it's but A, not as much, and B, only in the main missions, which, as we've explained in some of the later acts, are going to be the minority of missions you're doing. It, 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 it bogs it down. Yeah, I, I think if they had more stakes and I and again picking three out of four is not fun like it, it like I think if they were like pick two out of five or pick one out of four and then like you genuinely had to consider okay what are my actual benefits here and do they weigh like okay this mission is gonna be way harder but it's gonna get me way better loot should I just take that one mission uh and it just yeah when you have to do three out of four that's not that's not really picking anymore um I don't know it just it feels bloated, and by the end of the game, it's like they build really good tension in the story missions. So then you you totally just kill that when you you know really want to see what happens next, and it feels like it should be like okay, you just did this event. The next morning, you're gonna go and do this and wrap it up, but then you have to do three side missions. Like it just fucks with the pacing totally. Yeah, I guess the final thing I'll say about that is the DNA building blocks. The so the RNA, I guess rather of an interesting overarching metagame is there. Like the D the DNA of you can only do so much. You can only deploy so many gears in so many places. Like there is a concept there that if we get a theoretical gears tactics two or an expansion yeah. or some of like that, you can expand it and make it more interesting, but in its raw form, it just bogs the game down. Totally. I mean, that, that's everything, right? Like, I really hope that Splash Damage gets another opportunity to swing here because they nail a lot of it, and a lot of what I don't like is a growing pain, right? Which yes. is, like, do more characterization, do less padding. Like, those are pretty simple, you know, and, and maybe increase the stakes a little bit in terms of, like, risk-reward for what you're doing. Um, But, I mean, it, there's, there's small things, and, like, this is largely a very successful game for me. I, I really like it a lot. Um, Sam... You know, do we have more you want to say in terms of comparison to other tactics games that, you know, like whether that's Chimera Squad or XCOM 2, is there any other things you want to touch on there? One thing is I do feel like it's worth emphasizing the customization here. The options really are impressive. I, I know we mentioned before it can be yeah. almost overwhelming, but it feels really cool to go, okay, I'm getting 50% critical damage because I'm putting a chain, you know, rotary uh, motor on this mulcher, which is already a giant minigun, or I'm giving my Lancer a giant extended mag so I can shoot on for a while, or you know, uh, extended barrel and optic sights for my Nash or like that kind of weapon customization is something I want to see come over into the main game. I love it because it's oh, yeah. not just a stat bonus. The guns visually change and, and it's very satisfying to see your troops. You can have four different support characters all using Lancers and they all look completely different decked out, you know, in their kit. I love that kind of thing. 
Yeah, it's really cool. And and all of those things are stacking, right? Like there's you can get a different size magazine, you can do a different stock, you can do a different barrel. There's a ton and a different site. Like there's yeah, I think most guns have four different things that you can kind of change out. Yep. Which is really cool. You can really customize them, but yeah, it's like like everything else, it's it's prone to uh loot bloat. Um, but the one thing I really love, whether it's weapons or the characters themselves, is the amount of customization you can do to their aesthetic that isn't just changing their, uh, uh, that isn't stat changing. It's like, yeah, if you want to give Gabe uh, a hot pink armor suit with brown <laughs> pants for some reason because you hate colors that match, you can totally do that and it's and it's fine. Exactly. Um, a nice fuchsia leopard print lancer. If you are so ungodly inclined <laughs> you are free to go do that or or you can do the XCOM thing and if you've got a character you know of the right race of the right basic build you know make characters based off of your friends like that's something i love doing i've got a zach in my squad right now <laughs> <sighs> yeah and i hope i'm i hope i'm getting all of the lancer kills but but yeah i mean it's and it's cool yeah the, the proc gen characters are easily where you can get more customization because some of the stuff right like you can't give gabe like different tattoos than his character is supposed to have with the proc gen characters you can change their hairdo you can change uh uh and the other thing that's cool too is like there's no gender locking on any of the character stuff like there's there's no male female um all characters have access to the same haircuts facial hair like everything you can make your characters however you want um and they can identify how they want it's really cool that they didn't like bog down because xcom does that uh where they make you choose male female it's cool they didn't do that um but i just love that you can uh uh totally tweak your proc gen characters to make them look like your friends but you can also do silly things like um uh ridiculous tattoos that cover your character like i think i think i made a sniper that i thought actually looked cool where like one of the tattoos was just uh like check marks that covered both of their arms of how many kills <laughs> they've gotten it's just absurd looking nice um nice. yeah no i i love it i i really like having characters that look a certain way too um again i wish that i lost more characters more often uh one of the things that i love about uh like especially xcom like war of the chosen is I love that characters can bond with each other uh, and and they have benefits when they when they deploy together, but also huge negatives when one of them dies. And I, I would hope in a sequel they would explore some of that, you know, squad dynamic stuff a little bit more um, because I, I love making character look a certain way and I would love it if I, there was real risk of potentially losing them. Um, you know, I just I, I just want the game to be meaner to me, Sam. Well, um, I'm guessing you're going to be replaying on Iron Man then. Am I correct? Yeah. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> I yeah, maybe. Uh, so I guess yeah. Do you have any other any other comparison points, or do we want to kind of go to to overall yeah uh, performance and kind of maybe maybe speculate on a console port down the line? Um. Well, did did we want to uh talk about Chimera Squad? Because I know we've both been playing that. Sure. Me more much more so than you. I'm I'm almost done with the game. I will finish it up shortly after th this recording is done. You've only put a couple of hours in, but. We both played previous XCOM games. We both like tactic-style games. So you want to dive in really quick on that? Yeah, just really quick. My, my top view, I've played like, like two or three hours of, of Chimera Squad at this point. So far, what I really like about Chimera Squad is I like the banter between your units. I feel like they know each other. They're, they're each interesting and different, and they have history, and it feels deep um, in terms of like, like characters don't feel really surface level. And honestly, even there are times where like gears tactics really feels like they're underserving the lore 
on even their hero characters. And like, I really wish Gears Tactics was exploring that a little bit better. Um, I think I think Chimera Squad is way better at doing that stuff. Um, but I also feel like, uh, you know, we're, we kind of talk about how there's sometimes not enough stakes in terms of losing your side characters in Gears Tactics. Chimera Squad has none of that, right? Where like, if a character dies in Chimera Squad, you have to restart the mission. And like, that's even worse. Um, I... I don't know. I, I think that Chimera Squad is a really good experiment uh, that's trying some new stuff with a tried and true uh, XCOM formula, uh, but feels super iterative. And I feel like Gears Tactics feels more unique than XCOM and XCOM Chimera. I, I don't know. I mean, my, 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 my long form is like, like the character work and Chimera Squad more than Gears Tactics, but I like everything else about how Gears Tactics plays more than Chimera Squad. That, that generally, very broad strokes speaking, I would agree with you. I think, and it is important to note, Chimera Squad is an experimental game. It's $20. It's actually $10 if you grab it in the first week. It's out now, um, so you have, a, you have a few days left to do that if you want. I have a full review coming, which should be out by the time this is posted, and if not, it will be out hours or a day after that at, at most, so you can look forward to my expanded thoughts. But really quickly... I like the aesthetic to a degree, and I like some of what they're trying to do with alien and hybrid squad mates as a part of XCOM. I think that's really cool, but I think in execution, a lot has been sacrificed getting it to that point. The maps are simpler. There's simply no stakes. There's no permadeath, and the tiny bits of banter you're getting as an exchange for that just doesn't feel even to me. I, I, I hope that we get alien squad mates in like an XCOM 3, but... I don't want it to come at the cost of losing a permadeath option. You can you can disable it if you want, maybe, you know, include the option for those who are turned off by the concept, but give it to those who want the game to hurt us. <laughs> you know? Like Totally. Well and like and I, I think I mean we were kinda of saying this with Gears Tactics too, but like the best thing about good characterization work in a tactics game is the risk of losing them. I want a really interesting or or somebody who's been through something, you know, like they're they're a grizzled veteran who has seen some shit. Like I want the stakes of potentially losing them or somebody who's like the the, you know, the big softy in the group. Like I love the idea of like potentially losing them or them losing of like I I want that squad dynamic. And and when Chimera Squad actually does well there, it's like, okay, take it a step further and let me see what loss looks like. Um I, I think both could do better. And I also want to say that like even though XCOM is an established brand that has a ton of, of, of experiments that knows what works and what doesn't, it's also a much, Chimera Squad is a much smaller budget uh, and probably dev team than what Splash Damage was using here. So like there is not, you know, it's not a perfect one-to-one -one comparison, um, but because they're both coming out the same week and they both have, you know, $10 a month for, for Game Pass PC, $10 to buy XCOM Chimera Squad, like it feels appropriate to compare them in that way, right? Sure, for sure. Absolutely. But yeah, I mean, both are both are good, um, but I, I generally am preferring Tactics more. But, you know, speaking of which, um, I found that Gears Tactics ran super well. Chimera Squad was kind of a buggy launch for me. I'm having some some bugs in there, but I would say I've had, like, zero crashing uh, and generally, like, incredible. Uh, on my 1080 Ti, I'm getting 4K60 really smooth uh, in Gears Tactics. Did it run pretty well for you, too? Yeah, uh, really, really quickly, Chimera Squad is definitely buggy. I've been talking to Maddie, who's from SCGC, and he's having a lot of bugs in it. Uh, the camera frequently glitches on me. It's crashed four or five times at this point after about 20 hours of playing, uh, 15 hours, some, you know, somewhere in there. I need to check the Steam stats. The camera glitches up, the characters will float off, and then it won't, it'll soft crash where it doesn't actually hard crash, but instead it just 
locks and you can't do anything and it won't respond so you have to reload to save and i'm having to save after every mission chimera squad is very buggy unfortunately it's extremely buggy tactics on the other hand is incredibly well polished i've had no crashes i've had no issues uh the gears of war games uh four and five are both well optimized on pc some extremely well done PC ports where there's a lot of great options, but it scales across hardware well. And that is definitely the case with tactics as well. Even if you have like a 760 uh, or a GTX 750 Ti, you're going to be able to run the game, you know. And then obviously if you have a much better card, something more recent, a more powerful CPU, you can crank the effects up. There's some good stuff there. Um, you know, it's not stunning. I would say Gears 5 definitely looks better as a game yeah uh, overall uh gears and part of that is perspective as well part of that is the perspective you know everything being more close up but in general it looks good i think xbox one users when this game does eventually come to xbox sometime later this year can look forward to a decent port xbox one x owners it'll be a little better than that and then series x in theory everything should just be cranked up to ultra like all the yeah, settings was... maxed out easily I was going to say, I think part of the reason it's it's scaling so well on PC is just that it was also built, while, while it was definitely built PC first and PC, you know, built for PC, they were also probably extremely cognizant of the limitations of 2013 vanilla Xbox One users. For sure. Uh, who, for are, sure. who are going to try to play this game. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it scales incredibly well. Uh, the other thing is, so like Sam said, the game has been confirmed for, for uh, uh, Xbox port have we confirmed that they've definitely committed to 2020 or is it just somewhere down the line yes it was actually one of the last things he said before he le uh, left the coalition was that rod ferguson the former head of the coalition now he's on the diablo franchise at blizzard said that it was coming later this year and then that was reiterated even with the work from home scenario by someone at the coalition at a recent preview event a digital preview event for gears tactics uh, a couple weeks ago they reiterated it is coming to xbox later this year Right, and I, I mean, so so it's going to scale well to console. One thing I'll say, too, is right now it does have pretty basic... I, I played, like, maybe five of my 28 hours using a controller, uh, and I would say that it, it works, um, but it's definitely not been optimized for it. Like, everything to do, you know, so, like, right now in this, it, when you play Gears Tactics, you can press 1 to aim at somebody and then spacebar to shoot. Like, that is how the Tactics plays, but with controller, you have to... It's probably about double that amount of button presses just to do an action um so it's not built for it yet so i'm expecting them to do a little bit more optimizing in that way but like right now if you are a controller user and you do not want to use a keyboard the game on pc is playable with a controller um but a port i mean obviously is, is coming this year sam in terms of speculation here if we were to speculate and guess i would say we should probably expect this um just before or right around series x launch to kind of be a a quote-unquote launch title for the new console uh, does that sound about right? Like that window? That sounds uh, perfectly right to me. There's also an interesting dynamic there of, okay, yes, the game already technically came out on PC, but having a Halo and a Gears game, even if it's a non-traditional Gears game at launch, just makes sense, right? It feels good. It, it would make sense for them to do. That gives them time to optimize the Xbox port, the Xbox One and Xbox One X and Series X, in theory. <laughs> in theory, it should be cross-gen, um, you know, further optimized controller support like you mentioned it's a little clunky right now maybe they can smooth some things out there get it a little a little more refined take less actions to do things 
etc. But I think Series X launch window somewhere in there. A couple of weeks before, a couple of weeks after, maybe the day of. Something like that makes perfect sense to me. That being said, I would I would take an August port, sure. Yeah, I would take August. Uh, I mean, it's possible Xbox could release multiple games in the same month. They're not opposed in theory if they're different enough. Wasteland 3 is coming out that month. Oh, that's August. right. I forgot it got so, bumped so, to then. So there, yeah. is, there is that to consider. Uh, those are both tactics games, even though Wasteland is an RPG. It is very much an RPG, so it's a little different. It's still turn-based. So right. there is that to consider. Um, I'm thinking September at the earliest, but that's me. Sure. We'll see. Sure. But yeah, I mean, my you know, my wrap-up thoughts here is that, um, I, I again, came in a little nervous about the execution uh, and left pretty dang satisfied it's a it's a really good game um plays really well really happy with how well the core gears of war gameplay translates how the enemy types translate how the weaponry translates to a tactic setting i think it's all great um you know biggest downfalls for me is like i want a little bit more character work and i wish there was a little bit less padding um but i mean if you've got game pass like it's it's a no-brainer it's meatier than expected again a lot of it because of the padding but um you know we've all got a little bit more time on our hands than, than maybe we were expecting these days so i i really recommend it for game pass uh for sure sam what about you absolutely i would say if you are a strategy fan of you like you have liked past XCOM games it's worth buying outright i would just go ahead and buy it that's me and if you're a little you know you're not sure like you've never played a gears game or you've played a gears game but you're not sure about the idea of tactics it's on game pass try it through that and check it out that way. And if it's something for you, then okay, then it is. And if not, well, all right, you gave it a try. Yeah, I mean, honestly, Game Pass to me, Game Pass is just like such a no-brainer. Like, yeah, I mean, if you if you know you're gonna like it, sure, go ahead and buy it. But like, Game Pass just lowers any any possible bar of like limitation. Where like, if someone's like, oh, I like Gears, but I've never played a tactics game, like, I'd be reluctant to be like, oh, you should buy it. But with Game Pass, it's it's such a no-brainer. Um, really really fun game i i really like it a lot um yeah i'm trying to think if i've got anything else but i, I don't think i do again gears tactics is out april 28th on pc sam we're thinking console later this year yep yep exactly april 28th um reviews are out by the time this will be published obviously the embargo has ended and yeah give it a try it's a meaty game go check it out and i'm hoping that this is just the beginning of a new series of not spin-off because that doesn't feel right this is a full-fledged game but side companion piece games for the gears franchise yeah. i personally would be totally happy if moving forward even gears alternates between a more mainline third person entry and a tactics based game telling maybe perhaps two stories both of the diaz family but one of them is kate and the other being gabe I'd be down for that. Sam, again, I really want to thank you for uh, uh, coming through and, and chatting with me about your time with Gears Tactics. We're both big fans of it. Um, Sam, where can people read your work and where can they find you on Twitter? Yeah, so you can read my work on Windows Central as relates to PC gaming or Xbox-related stuff. Come check that out. Uh, if you're interested in PlayStation or Nintendo stuff, you can also find me on Android Central iMore. And then uh, if you want to talk to me, you have questions about Gears Tactics you'd like to ask me or you just want to chit-chat, about the Gears franchise or video games and stuff in general, you can reach me on Twitter at Samuel Talbert. All right. Thanks again so much. And yes, I am Zach from SDGC. 
you can find me at Twitter at BearClawGaming. You can catch everything SCGC does at Official SCGC on Twitter. We do a live show on Thursdays where we usually have a guest a couple times a month. Uh, we also do little streams here and there. And then we also have little bonus content things uh, like you're listening to right now. Uh, and if you really like what we do and you want to support it, uh, we do have a Patreon. There's no tiering. Uh, you know, anything helps. It allows us to make more content uh, potentially cover games that we that we wouldn't be able to afford otherwise. Uh, and then once this is all over, it also allows us uh, to travel out and go to conventions uh, and, and do stuff like that. Um, so yeah, if, if you like that stuff, we you know of course we'd we'd really appreciate it. All right, uh, I think that will do it. Thank you all so much for making it here to the end. We really appreciate it. Uh, now more than ever, uh, be good to each other and take care. Thanks. Yeah.